So my question for all of us is, uh, who is your favorite character in the whole Bible? Right? As we think about the heroes of the faith, who comes to mind? Do you think of David with his five stones and his faith as he went after the giant and slew the giant with a single stone? Or do you think about Samson uh, where his great strength and there was this lion, a young lion, and he ripped the, the lion to pieces like a young goat? Or you can think about Samson also grabbed the the donkey bone and, and put heaps upon heaps, heaps upon heaps of Philistines as they came upon him. Or maybe it's Elijah, Elijah, that great man of God. And ultimately he has that wonderful scene where he is uh, carried away by, by God, by the chariots of God. And they come between him and Elijah and he's, he's taken away. Or maybe even Gideon. I actually had the pleasure of looking at the sermon audio, our group here. And it looks like we're nearing 300, like Gideon's 300, where God used uh, this small little army to conquer the enemies of God. Now, all of these people that I've mentioned here are the stories that amaze us. They are amazing stories. They're very familiar to us. And, and in fact, if we have any children's Bibles or we ourselves were the recipients of somebody reading a child's Bible, children's Bibles are full of these stories. In fact, the Old Testament is full of these great stories. And they're great heroes of the faith. And they build us up in multiple ways. These are many people's favorite characters in the Bible. And they're some of my favorite characters in the Bible. But the, the person I want to look at today is not anything like those characters. Uh, the people that we have mentioned, they were strong, strong, powerful men, young men with valor. But the character I want to look at, and I would call her a hero, is exact opposite. She's a weak old woman. All of those people, they did these mighty acts of valor and conquered the enemy and uh, pe make people feel motivated and pumped up. But this hero of the Bible did none of those things. But yet I think she is, is just as remarkable as all of those men. And why is that? Because she served God faithfully and the task that she was called to do. And I'm absolutely convinced that when she ultimately entered into heaven, she was greeted by God and Christ himself with these words found in Matthew 25, 23, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And I also believe that we can look at this lady's life and summarize it the same way God summarizes David's life. And I hope he'll summarize your life in the same way in Acts 13, 36, which says, for David served the purpose of God in his own generation and then fell asleep and was laid with his fathers. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for me. That's what I want God to say about us. We served God's purpose for us in his own generation. So who am I talking about? I'm talking about the prophetess Anna, who's found in Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. So if you have a Bible, you might want to uh, flip over there. And again, that's really my desire for all of us is to be like David, to be like Anna, to be somebody who will serve God, the purposes of God in our own generation and then fall asleep if the Lord tarries. If not, I'll see you in the sky and let us just serve God as we gather into the sky. And here's why, because ultimately I am personally not satisfied with merely seeing people saved. I don't think God is satisfied with merely uh, seeing people saved either. In fact, this was one of the, the struggles I had when I first became a Christian as I got saved. And then I thought, God, what is next? And I was just waiting for God to take me up, take me up here, you know, beam me up, Scotty kind of idea. Uh, we're waiting for God to send Elijah's chariot and scoop us up. 
but that's really not God's plan, right? Many of us have been saved for years. Why has God left us down here? It's not just to get saved and get beamed up, but rather we find the reason why God has left us down here in Matthew chapter 5, 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Why did God save us? Is to redeem us, but not just to redeem us, but let our light so shine before others, they may see our good works and give glory to God. We're called to fight. There's a battle here and we're soldiers in that battle. And God has left us here to win the victory that he's already won. And we're just here to clean it up. Oh, we see another description of why God has left us here in Titus 2.14. It says, Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people of his own possession who was zealous for good works. And so hopefully most of us have that first part down. At least we're trying to get it down, put it that way. That we know that as Christians, we're called to live holy lives. That he's to redeem us from all lawlessness and to be pure, to purify us. But what about that other part of that verse? That we're to be zealous for good works. Let me ask you, Christian, how is your zeal? Does this describe you? Christ died to redeem you, not just so that you wouldn't watch pornography, which you should not be doing, but also positively to be zealous for good works. So are we zealous or are we rather just going through the motions, just doing enough? Is it sin? If it isn't sin, we'll go ahead and do it. Are we just going through the motions? Hopefully not. And if we are, I call you to repent in the words of Hosea 10, 12, which says, so for yourselves, righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up your follow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. And that's the goal. That's why Stephen created this meeting. In fact, just recently, Stephen talked about the former rains and the latter rains. And that's what we want. Well, how do we get that? Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. We get that by seeking the Lord. That's when we get the rain, as we seek his face. So in light of all that, let's look at the character, the story of Anna, and see if there's anything in this story that will help us to be zealous for good works, to break up that follow ground, and to seek the Lord so he can send the rain upon us. So open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, verses 36 to 38. There, this woman is described as a prophetess, the prophetess Anna of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day, and coming up at the very hour she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him of all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Very small little passage, very easy to forget about this wonderful lady. But the very first thing we're given about this lady is that she's old. She's very, very old. In fact, if you do the math, she's either 106, 107 years old, or she potentially is somewhere in her 80s or 70s or whatever, the idea is that she ultimately dies at 84. So there's some debate of whether she's a widow for 84 years, which would make her about 106, 107, or whether or not that her total lifespan was 84 years. But here's the point. Either way that this lady has, this means that this lady has served the Lord for about six decades plus. Now, the Psalms and just life experience tells us that the average person's life is about 70 years. By way of strength, it's 80 So what that means is this lady has served the Lord full time for the vast majority of an adult life. Now, this right here is commendable. It's one thing to serve God for a season, 
another thing to serve God for a lifetime. And that's what we're looking at. We're looking at a lifetime saint who has served God with her whole life. And hopefully that will be our story as well. The second thing we find out about this woman is that she's a widow. Now, you should not conclude from this that this statement is merely to tell you that she was so unattractive or unpopular or somehow could not find a husband. That's not the point at all. Rather, what this lady did was dedicate her life to the Lord so much so that she went so far as abstaining from marriage. Now, if you want to get a full theology of this, I recommend going to 1 Corinthians. Nothing wrong with marriage, but it is, in fact, biblical and true that the Bible does advocate for those who can receive it, both Paul and Jesus, to, in fact, abstain from marriage to dedicate yourself more to the Lord. And that's what this lady did. Okay, so then we are given the description of what this saint's dedication of the Lord looked like. Now, what does the text say? Does it say that she started some great missionary organization or gospel organization that we're still talking about to this very day? No, it doesn't. Nothing wrong with that, but that's actually not what the text says. Rather, it describes her full dedication of the Lord with three qualities. The first quality is that she, her full dedication to the Lord looked like her never leaving the temple. Then it describes her as dedicating herself to praying and fasting. So let me ask you this, my friend. If God would describe you in a paragraph, could he describe you in this way? Could he describe you as someone who never left the temple? Now, we don't have a physical temple, of course, but the temple here is the place of God's corporate worship. And this, for us, would be the church where God's meetings show up. The question is, if God were to describe you, would he describe you as someone who never left the temple, never left the church, was always there when the church, church was gathering for corporate worship? Or are you the type of person who merely goes to the main service, checks that block off, and doesn't really darken church any other time. And if that is you, I pray that that would not be you. I pray that you would be like Anna in this way, and we could describe you as someone who never left the temple. When God's people were gathered, you were there, okay? That is what a life fully dedicated to the Lord looked like in Anna's life, and it very well might be what God is calling you to do. As you pray for revival out there and as you pray for personal revival, is it possible that God might be trying to answer that prayer by getting you to show up to church more, but you refuse to, causing the whole thing to unravel? You're praying for revival. God's trying to answer this prayer in your life by getting you to show up to church, but you yourself are resisting him, making the whole thing somewhat pointless. The second thing we see about this lady, Anna, is she's described as a woman of prayer. And she prays day and night. And this is the whole desire of this group. And this is something that we all should be doing. This is a burden that we all have. Let us be known as people of prayer. God is not going to call you a person of prayer if you never pray. Okay. You actually have to do this, right? He's not going to uh, just label you a man of prayer or a woman of prayer if you don't pray. So we should be people who pray. We should be people who are constantly and consistently praying. Okay. As we talk about other people and talk about their problems and their situations, we should always be people who go to prayer, maybe in the middle of that conversation, just stop right there and say, let us pray about this. We're talking about the church and the condition of the church or sermon audio, whatever's going on. Let's just stop right now and let's pray. Or very least at the end of the conversation, let us pray. Let us be people who pray so much that other people who don't really like praying are annoyed <laughs> by us for praying. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing if you're the type of person who prays so much that other people may not even want to talk to you because they know that you're always going to bring them to 
that would be amazing and wonderful and something that we should do. Well, in the words of the Bible, pray without ceasing. Be a man and a woman of prayer. And the last thing we see described of Anna, this wonderful saint, is that she was a woman who fasted. Now, fasting today is not very popular. People don't talk about fasting. People uh, often don't want to hear about fasting. It's just not something popular. But guess what? It's all over our Bibles. This, there's no textual manuscript difference here. The, the Bible clearly right here describes her as a woman of fasting. And it's not to describe her in that way because she's some kind of uh, legalist or uh, someone uh, who's doing something wrong. But clearly she's doing something right in the sight of God here. So just because fasting is unpopular today doesn't mean that it's unpopular in the sight of God. God desires fasting. He rewards fasting. And he gives us Anna here as an example of fasting. Now, when people bring up fasting in church settings, at least in where I have been, almost the very first comment I get is an excuse about why people cannot fast. Now, if you actually cannot fast and carry on, this, what I'm about to say has nothing to do with you. But if you are someone who can fast, and the very first thing you start thinking about is excuses of why not to fast, truthfully, I'm not interested in your excuses. But rather, you have to look at yourself and say, why have I been someone who has not fasted? Do I have a list of excuses, or is this just something that is deficient in us? We should be people who dedicate ourselves to worshiping God through prayer and fasting. Or at the very least, let me say this, if you're not somebody who dedicates yourself to God in prayer and fasting, is it possible that there are blessings that you're leaving off the table by neglecting this spiritual discipline? And I'm going to suggest that it is, that there are, in fact, spiritual blessings that we're leaving off the table. And I'll show you a few scriptures. But let me say this. None of us want to fast. We don't want to fast. Why? Because it's difficult, because it's hard. The Bible says that for the wicked, that their God is their belly. And we still struggle with the world of flesh and the devil. Nobody wants to fast. And yet it's that very thing, that very reality that we don't want to fast, that very well might be one of the reasons that we need to fast. Because by doing this, there could be enormous spiritual blessings that accompany prayer that we're leaving off the table if we don't do this. So let us uh, look at uh, two scriptures and then we'll be done here. Matthew chapter six says, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others but by your father who's in secret and your father who sees you in secret will reward you. So here, notice that it says when you fast, not if you fast. This is expected of God's people, right? God's people will fast. Anna fasted. We should be people who fast. It's expected of us by our Lord. But that's the, the call. That's the, the charge that we're supposed to fast. But look at the latter part of that verse that says that your father who sees you fasting in secret will reward you. This is God's promise that he will reward you for your fasting. Now, let me ask you this. Is it possible that some of the rewards that our father will give us if we fast are not just mansions and houses and, and trophies in heaven, which I do believe they are, but is it possible that some of these eternal rewards, some of these rewards that he'll give us is actual spiritual blessings in this very age? Maybe the revival that we're seeking, maybe holiness maybe to be more like him. And I think it absolutely would be, especially if we ask God as we fast to give us those things. God will not despise us as we seek his own will for his sanctification in our lives. And that makes perfect sense to, to accompany that with prayer and fasting. Another scripture is in Matthew 17, 21. The disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast out this demon? And Jesus said, this kind does not go out except 
by prayer and fasting. So again, we have this idea that certain levels, certain spiritual thresholds cannot be met without fasting. So my encouragement, my exhortation to you is look at the story of Anna, look at this, this description of her and ask yourself, does that describe you? Are you someone who never leaves the temple, is always around the people of God? Are you someone who worships God day and night by praying? And then don't forget about that last part. Are you someone who worships God day and night by fasting? And if you're not, maybe look at this lady again and say, am I deficient in this way? And if I am deficient in this way, is there any wonder why I am not the man of God or the woman of God that I want to be? Is it possible that my spiritual level is down here and could be up here if I forsake this spiritual blessing, this acts of grace? Is that possible? And just pray about that and think about that. Last thing I'll say I'll be done here is let me just give you a few practical recommendations if you have not fasted for a long time and are thinking about doing this. Number one, always fast with a purpose. We're not just hating the body. We love food. Food is great. It's wonderful and gift of God. We're not being mean to the body, but we're giving up something legitimate in order to worship God. So always pray with a purpose. Always fast and pray that too with a purpose, right? And usually fasting and prayer works together. So as you fast for something, that should also be that request that you're praying to God. The second thing I would suggest is don't start off trying to do a 40-day fast or die. Don't do that. Uh, Start off with one meal or two meals, max. The third thing I would say is if you want to be someone who consistently fasts, put it on the calendar. Set a date. Decide to fast once a month, once a year, something, right? But if you think that one day you're just going to wake up, and maybe this is why we as Christians have often failed. We just think that one day we're going to wake up and say, I don't want to eat today. It's never going to happen, guys. You got to put it on the calendar and say, this is a time that I'm going to dedicate myself to prayer and fasting. Last thing I'll say is as you hunger, remember why you're fasting and take that hunger and use it as a motivation to go to God in prayer. And I think that you will be blessed. You can see it in the Bible. People have been blessed. And this may be very well the breakthrough that many of us are looking for. Hope this has been a blessing to you in this this time in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray that whatever I have said that is helpful, that you would allow to be a blessing to your people. And anything I've said is unhelpful, that you would take it away. Lord, I ask you to bless this time and Bless this, um, bless this wonderful group of prayer. We pray as in Jesus' name. Amen.